begin tonight to the book of Amos in chapter number 8. Book of Amos in chapter number 8. We are, as a church, dealing with and looking at this year the idea of rest and revival. Um, I'm going to have to keep a list of all the jokes that I hear about that this year. I've already heard one today from the church family. Uh, It's going to be fun either way. Uh, But you know, when God's people are experiencing revival in their heart and in their life, they are experiencing victory over sin. They're experiencing answers to prayer. They are experiencing the power and the presence of God in their life on a daily and weekly basis. They are engaged in witnessing. They are excited about the things of God, excited to be in church, excited to read the word of God, excited to discuss and talk about spiritual things with other people. They're engrossed in the word daily. Those that are experiencing revival are experiencing these things. I wonder, are you there today? Are you in a a place of spiritual revival in your life? Although this is available to every believer and certainly something that God would have for us, the fact of the matter is, is many do not live or even experience this very often in their life. There are far too many believers that are just existing in their spiritual walk. They're just going from week to week. I mean, even some wondering if they'll be able to drag themselves to church another time. That shouldn't be the way it is for a believer, for a Christian, somebody who's saved and on their way to heaven. Church should be something we look forward to. Church should be a highlight of the week. I am thrilled about some of the uh, newer attenders. These have been coming to the church uh, in recent days and and just talking to them in the foyer and on their way out. the, the, The excitement they have about church and the excitement they have about the things of God and what they're learning and 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 how much it means. But for us that we've been here, it's it kind of gets to be old hat. We forget how richly we are blessed by an almighty God and we get used to it and we get a little less excited about what God's doing. Our joy is gone and our enthusiasm is gone. Beloved, the fire has gone out. How would you describe your spiritual life tonight? If we had to be completely honest, I think some of us would have to say it's been real dry as of late. We might even say that it's been a spiritual drought. Look in... The book of Amos there in chapter number 8 down in verse number 11. You see here an amazing thought. He says in verse number 11, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor of thirst of water, but of hearing the words of God. And they shall wander from sea to sea and... From the north, even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. You see, I wonder, beloved, if we aren't in a spiritual drought. A spiritual drought. That's what I would like to speak to you this evening for a few minutes 
the idea of living in or experiencing a spiritual drought. They say in order for a drought to be classified as a drought, there's a certain percentage. I saw different percentages out there, but there has to be a, a certain percentage of less than usual rainfall. They, they, some said as, as much as 85% less than usual rainfall to be classified as a drought. Are you experiencing a drought? Less than 85% of usual rainfall? We know that in the Word of God, rain was a picture, a, a uh, testament of His blessing, His pouring His blessing out on His people. We read and talked about this morning in Amos chapter 4 and how he also saying, I've withheld the rain from you. God withheld the rain. In Deuteronomy 11, verse number 17, he says, And the Lord, wrath was kindled against you, and he shut up the heavens that there be no rain. Rain is a picture of God's blessing. Sometimes God withheld the rain because of sin. Because of the sin that was in the hearts of his people. And, and they thought, well, as long as everything's okay, as long as everything's fine, then why do I need to get this right? And so God would withhold the rain. And I'll tell you what, in a society or in a, in a community that is an uh, agricultural community, that's pretty detrimental. When the rain doesn't come, man, everything dies. And that's not just, it just doesn't look as pretty as it used to. I mean, your food dies and, and your ability to sustain and care for your family and to provide for your needs are gone. When God withheld the rain, the land did not yield her fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which God had given you. God would sometimes send a drought as judgment on his people so that they might turn back to him once again. Beloved, I desire for our church to at least be conscious of where we are spiritually. At least pause long enough and consider and think about how long has it been since you felt the rain? How long has it been since the soil of your heart has been saturated with the things of God? How hard is your heart tonight? Are you in a spiritual drought I pray that even tonight and certainly throughout this year that as a church, the drought would end. That we would see great spiritual awakening in our own lives. First of all, I want you to consider tonight some signs of a drought. Some signs of a drought. It's just a couple of thoughts for you here, but there's some things that you can look at and you can say, oh, this is probably a pretty good sign that you are in a spiritual drought. And I initially had about seven or eight things and I've cut it down to two. There's a lot of things that you could look at and talk about with regards to spiritual drought. But first of all, every description that I saw describing drought, I found that there was two things present. First of all, is a less than usual rainfall, and then secondly, hotter than usual temperatures. That's in a drought. A sign that you're in a drought is that you've got hotter than usual temperatures. And I guess if we were to uh, apply this spiritually, you'd say you've got hotter than usual tempers. You're, you're, you find that the patience that you might normally have is not there. 
You get a little shorter with people. You're, you get a little less patient with people, a little less understanding. You don't have as much mercy or, or grace with others as you might should have or certainly than that Christ would have. You, you, you're flying off the handle and a little more hot under the collar than you might normally be. Probably a good sign that you're in a spiritual drought. Beloved, if you're not in control of your spirit, you're probably in a spiritual drought. If you're quick to lose your temper, to blow your top, there's something wrong. You're not being controlled by the spirit. You are in a spiritual drought. When you're quick to fly off the handle, you say things that you wouldn't normally say. You don't care how cruel it is. You don't care who it hurts. You just want to say it. In Sunday school this morning, Pastor Derek was talking about overcoming temptation and used the example of trying to get victory in your, in your speech and, and, and not cursing or taking the Lord's name in vain. And, and it's not just a matter of your, of your will. It's not just, oh, I, I don't want to do this, so therefore I won't want to do it. The fact of the matter is you do want to. That's why it's there. So you've got to have the power of God to overcome that. A very rich thought. And what I want you to understand tonight, beloved, is that if you're going to fix this, control your speech, control your actions, it has to be done in and through the power of the Spirit of God. You know, it amazes me how when that flesh rises up, I mean, we, we, we literally could care less what anybody thinks. I mean, normally we do, but when that flesh rises up, when we get hot under the collar, when we get angry, we're going to say what we want to say, and we're going to give them a piece of our mind, and, and everything else, doesn't, nothing else matters. That's a pretty good sign that uh, you're in a spiritual drought. Because the first person that should matter is God and what he thinks. But we stand there in defiance of God and say, I don't, I don't care because this is what I feel and this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. We're in, a, we're in a spiritual drought if we're in that place. How many times have we lost control of our temper or ended up in a fight with our family even on Sunday morning? On the way to church, something happens. We get short with one another. So we see that you probably have hotter than normal climate. And secondly, you see you've got harder than normal clay. Harder than normal clay. The drought of 2012 here in the United States was among the top five that the United States has ever experienced in recorded history. It was among the top, among the five worst ever. I believe it was number three. Over 60% of the country was in drought. There was over 1,000 counties that were declared national disaster areas. It did over $30 billion in damages. Because nothing can grow when the ground is that hard. You have harder than normal clay. Beloved, when you're in a spiritual drought, your heart gets hard. Your heart gets hard. And, you know, you ought to do a study on a hard heart. 
the signs of a hard heart and the result of a hard heart. It's amazing how at times, I, I, I gave a testimony at family, our family get together with everybody and trying to encourage the next generation and the kids, you know, and I just talked a little bit about my youth and how hard I was against my dad and mom. And what's amazing is a child whom their, their parent loved them and cared for them and provided for them and fed them and put clothes on their back and, and just day in and day out was there when they were sick, was there when they were hurt, took them and did so many things for them, provided uh, things that they didn't even need, but they got their bicycles and toys and bats and balls and games and activities and got to do all of these things. I mean, the list of the things that parents do for a child is innumerable. And how a child can get so hard in his heart that he doesn't care at all what his parents think. That's wicked. I mean, I stood there even talking to the young people and I just, even this many years later, just ashamed of some of the things I said and did to my own father at a time when I had a hard heart. We've got to guard against a hard heart. Because we'll treat our Heavenly Father that way. When God, who has done it all for us. The very air we breathe is a gift from our Heavenly Father. And when we have a hard heart, it's almost like we we put that out of our mind and we just defy Him and don't care what He thinks and have nothing to do with that. We're just going to do what we want to do. Harder than normal clay. Beloved, when, there's, when the ground is hard, good things don't grow very well. Haggai 1, verse number 10 says, Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. You see, when the dew of heaven isn't falling, fruitful things on ground don't grow. The good things don't grow. Not much grows, not much good grows in hard ground. When, when the drought comes, you know the good things dry up. The good things die, and the ground becomes cracked and barren. But do you know what happens when, that, when all that ground cracks up like that? Weeds fall in. Bad things. In Isaiah 5, verse number 6, he says, And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. Briars and thorns. He says, I also will command that the clouds, that they rain, no rain upon it. He's talking about the judgment of God and saying those good things aren't going to grow. But you know what's going to grow? Briars and thorns are going to grow. The weeds are going to grow. Things that shouldn't be there are going to grow. And that's what happens to a hard heart. The things that should be growing, you know, we as Christians are supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about having a fruitful life, a life that produces fruit for God and brings honor and glory to God. And we're to have that fruitful life. Well, when our ground is hard, there's no way fruit's going to grow. But do you know what does grow? The fruit gets choked out and the weeds grow. The wrong things grow. Thorns and briars grow. Sin begins to crop up in our life over and over again. You know, when there's a lot of sin present in your life, you 
have a hard heart. Beloved, temptation is normal, but continually giving in to temptation is not. We should be experiencing victory in our life. How long has it been since you've been to the altar? How long has it been since you begged God for fresh rain? Do you ever get thirsty? Do you ever long for God's blessing to be poured on your life? Beloved, tonight I pray that God would pour out fresh blessing on Hunt Valley Baptist Church. I pray that as God's people, we we would be getting a hold of God and asking him to end the drought. If he's going to end the drought, we've got to go to the source of the rain. And that's him, God the Father. We've got to go to him, the source of the rain. The source of that fresh rain comes from God. Would you turn your Bibles to John chapter number four? There's some amazing correlations between water that we partake of here on earth that's just for natural life and that idea of spiritual water that we get from a heavenly father. First of all, water is a gift from God. Water's a, a gift from God. There's many places in the earth today that do not have fresh, drinkable water. Water's a gift from God. Water is indispensable to man. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. It's something that we have to have. It's, it's something that is necessary and must be present. Water is a universal need. All the people in the world need water. We all, we all need it, and we all need Jesus Christ. We all need it. It's a universal need. Water provides refreshment. It satisfies. It cools the body. We just see here familiar verses, but John chapter 4, look down at verse number 13 and 14. He says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, this world and Satan, they, they like to put out that they have what can quench thirst. There's this world over all kinds of options for people to quench their thirst. That desire they have, that, that thirst they have for, for life or fulfillment or satisfaction. And, and they try and find it in many things in this world. They look all over and, 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 oh, if I get enough of this or if I acquire enough of that or if I accomplish enough in this area, oh, my, I'll be satisfied. I'll, I'll be fulfilled. I'll understand what it's all for. But we know that it's only through Jesus Christ that the soul is satisfied. When we partake of that, the living water. Beloved, he has plenty of water for all who ask. But the first step is we've got to understand our need. Jesus had to show this lady her need in verses 15 through 18. He says, the woman saith unto him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, go, call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said. I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou now hast is not thine husband. In that saidest thou truly. You see, he had to point out there's some things in your life that you got to take care of. There's some problems that you need to acknowledge and realize that are there. 
You know, the hard heart doesn't want to acknowledge the problem that's in our own heart. The hard heart wants to look at other people and, boy, we like to make excuses and justify our condition, don't we? Oh, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. We might even say, I'm not as bad as I used to be, knowing that God doesn't want us where we are. We say, well, at least I don't do that anymore, or at least I, I'm not doing, but, but we know we're not where God wants us. We like to justify away and explain our poor attitude, our disgruntled spirit, our lack of desire for spiritual things. You see, we've got to see our need if God's going to pour out that promised rivers of living water. John 7, 38 said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I don't know if you're in spiritual drought tonight, but I want to ask that you as a church, as an individual, would pray and ask God to end the spiritual drought. Let us not be content with a little drizzle here or there. Let us not be content with a few drops dropped on us one day or once a week. Isaiah 44, verse number 3 says, For I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Beloved, God doesn't want to just give us a glass of water. He wants to open the hose. He wants to pour out. And I was pondering and thinking about this even this afternoon. And the idea of him wanting to pour out his presence and pour out his blessing. It's like trying to take a, a drink of water from a water hose. From a fire hose, I mean, it's, it's, it's more water than, than you want. I think that's the problem a lot of times. We, we want a little bit of spirituality. Oh, yeah, give, give me a little bit, Lord. And God's there standing there with the fire hose, wants to pour it out on you. And you're like, oh, no, 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 I, that's not, I wasn't wanting that much. But God wants to pour, pour his blessing out on us. He wants to end that spiritual doubt, drought. As I conclude tonight, I want you to know that when you receive the water from the right source, you are satisfied. The spiritual drought ends. We sing that song, There shall be showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. There's almost an expectation or a implication of that something's going to be in the future. There shall be showers of blessing. But what if we looked for those blessings today? That those were something we were begging God for right now. The blessings. Would you be willing tonight to ask God to end the spiritual drought? Maybe in your own heart, maybe you're, you're doing great. Would you ask God to end the spiritual drought in the hearts of his people here at Hunt Valley Baptist Church? Ask God to end the spiritual drought in, in our midst. We would begin to see a moving and a presence of the Lord in our services that we've never seen. Beloved, I believe God wants to do it. He says, you have not because you ask not. We have to want it. We have to be asking for it. 
And there's some things that we might have to acknowledge if it's going to come. We may say, God, boy, we want you to pour out your spiritual blessing. And God may come to your heart and say, well, if that's going to happen, you've got to take care of this. Are we willing as God's people to do that tonight?